0: We're going to look in Luke chapter 1. You can go ahead and turn there. We'll be there in just a moment. If you notice on the front of your bulletin, there's a couple of... You don't need to turn there, actually. You don't need to notice it. But on the front of the bulletin, there's a couple of verses from the beginning of the Gospel of Luke. It begins by Luke, the writer, the human writer, who wrote, Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit... But he also did some research, he did some interviews, he did some one-on-one interaction with people, he listened, he participated in, he heard, and he wrote down this logical record of what happened. It's not perfectly chronological. Um, How many of you tell stories in perfect chronological order? You know, we we don't. We tell stories, we forget, we go back, Hey, Kathy sometimes has a hard time, because I'll interrupt myself in the middle of a sentence and go back to something else and then jump back right where I was, but she's still back where I went. And so Luke, he gives us this message. It's important for us to understand. This is not the Christmas story. This is the Christmas history. This is actual, verifiable, historical fact. Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first. Pause right there. He He interacted with the eyewitnesses. He was not in the boat when Jesus calmed the sea, but he listened to the eyewitnesses who told the story. And so he has had all of this eyewitness testimony, which, by the way, still stands up in a court of law today. He has all of that record, and now he has also been involved in this from the very beginning. Apparently, he was a believer in Christ when, the, when Christ was walking on the earth and he was with the apostles. He might have come to Christ uh, right after the ascension of Christ, and but he's been involved with the apostles from the very beginning of the church, and he has this long history, and now he's writing it out. And then he says in the middle of verse 3, it seemed good to me also, having had... Perfect understanding of all things from the very first. He doesn't mean that he knows all things. He just has a complete understanding of all of this. Now, when you have a problem with your car, there are some people, they know a little bit about cars. How many of you know a little bit about cars? Like, you know how to turn them on. Do the gas and brake. And, see. and then there's folks who know, they know quite a bit more about cars. And there's some, they know everything about cars. And there's some, they were the engineer designing that car. They know all about that car. This is Luke, he knows all about this. Elsewhere, he's called a physician. He possibly was a doctor. He maybe was sponsored by Theophilus that he references here, but he knows exactly what he's writing about. He is inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, but he also listened to all the eyewitness testimonies. So, then he says, I'm to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. The certainty. You know, in our culture, there's a lot of mix-up, isn't there? There's a lot of confusion, even within so-called Christian churches. There's some confusion. Some say, well, Jesus was a man who had the Christ Spirit come upon him. No, he was God the Son, born into human flesh. The incarnation into the flesh, incarnate, the Son of God and God the Son. Um, Some say, well, Jesus lived an exemplary life. Yes, he did. But he also was God, not just a really good man. And some churches who even bear the name of Jesus Christ, uh, they say he was a man who became God and you can become God someday if you work hard enough. That's not what the Word of God says. So, the title of the message is The Miracles Before the Miracle of Christ's Birth. Now, we're leaving a few of them out. We're leaving out the miracle of creation. We're leaving out the miracle of life. We're also leaving out all the miracles of the Old Testament. And there's a lot of them in there. We're just focusing on the miracles that show up here in Luke chapter 1 and Matthew 1. Now, it says in verse 5, There was in the days of Herod the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So he and his wife were both descendants from Aaron. He was part of the Aaronic priesthood, the priesthood established in the Old Testament back in the days of Moses, and they were descendants of Aaron. They had their priesthood broken into different uh, tribes, if you will, And they were assigned times to work. And so there's 24 different tribes, groups of priests. And so they would serve in the temple for a couple of weeks a year. And they would serve outside the temple doing other activities as well. Um, And so why don't we have priests in our day? Because here it is in the New Testament, they have priests. Well, they had priests. Jewish priests. That's way different than the priesthood that exists within churches today. But there's three specific reasons why we don't have priests in our churches today. One is because the purpose of the law was to bring people to Christ. Paul wrote that in in his letter to the church in Galatia. So the law existed to point the way to the Messiah the Christ. And we already have the Messiah. What's his name? Jesus. Jesus. The Messiah, the anointed, the Christ is the Greek version of the Jewish, the Messiah. He is the anointed one. So we don't need the priest pointing to the Messiah because we already have the Messiah. Secondly, because Jesus is the great high priest. And one of the roles of the priest, Zacharias here is going to burn incense, but one of the roles is they sacrificed animals. And so you had a sin, you would bring an animal, and you would sacrifice that animal to the Lord. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission, Hebrews 9 says. And so the blood of that animal will kind of cover over your sin as a picture pointing toward the Messiah. So for generations, millennia, uh, people would offer these sacrifices to God. And then Christ came. And he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He was the perfect sacrifice. He fully paid the penalty of our sin. And so after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, in fact, on the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. As the songwriter said, salvation's wondrous plan was done. And after he rose from the dead, then his, his believers, they no longer participated in the sacrificial system because the sacrifice had been paid in full. So we don't have a, an earthly priesthood like the Jews did because Jesus, the high priest, has offered the one sacrifice himself for us on the cross The one sacrifice that paid the penalty for all sin for all time. I'm really glad I don't have to come into church and offer sacrifices for you guys. Uh, It must have been a smelly place. I've been inside a meatpacking plant. It's not a pleasant smell. And the temple must have been something like that. But there's a third reason why we don't have priesthood in our churches. What's that? What have I not mentioned? We are the believer priests. You are appointed a priest. That doesn't mean you have to wear fancy robes and walk around and say, Thus saith the Lord. You don't have to be a priest like that. But listen, you have a responsibility before God to represent him to people. And guess what? Jerry has trusted Christ as his Savior. Jerry Mollett. He's sitting on the back row. He has trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior. He has just as much responsibility as I do to be a believer priest, even kids. There is no retirement program for believer priests either. You represent Christ on earth till you are with him in heaven. So that's why we don't have a priesthood and that's why usually when I talk about the priest in the Bible I always use or try and remember to use the Hebrew priesthood or the Jewish priesthood because the churches today that have priests that separate between the people and God they don't read the Bible accurately because there's one mediator between God and man. Who is it? The man Christ Christ Jesus. He's the only one. So I am not between you and God. I can help you follow God. I have responsibility and leadership within the church, but nobody is between you and Christ. You are his if you've trusted him as Savior. You are his, and you are his priest. So part of the selection of that... Well, I, I need to go on here. Okay. So uh, in verse uh, 6, uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well stricken or well advanced in years. So part of their selection by God, when God said, I choose Zacharias and Elizabeth and I'm going to do this in their life, part of it was under their control. They lived Honorably, They lived in a way that Christ could choose them. They lived in a way that was honorable and upright and, and God was pleased. So they loved and served God faithfully even though, as we'll see in just a minute, even though God had not answered the deepest prayer of their heart. The, the deepest prayer they had. God had not answered that but they loved him, trusted him, served him honorably anyway. Uh, There are believers who want to get married and have kids, and sometimes they end up single, not by their choice, by God allowing those circumstances in their lives. Others are unable to have kids. Kathy and I know a lot of folks who have not been able to have children. Some have adopted, some have not, but uh, somewhat a large family. But God doesn't bless them that way. Kathy's parents, my in-laws, have seven grandkids. Five of them are ours. Kathy's two sisters each just had one. And God allows that sometimes. Uh, So regardless of the difficulty, don't give up on God. Choose to trust Him anyway even if the circumstances of your life are not what you wanted? How many of you, in some area, wish your life was a little bit different? Okay, don't point at the person next to you. Can I upgrade? Can I, okay. But but life could be, life on earth could be a little better, a little less painful, a little more fulfilling, okay. But, Trust Christ anyway. See, it's called faith. It's not faith when everything's great and you don't have to trust. Faith requires trust. So, um, your fullness is in Jesus Christ, your fullness is not in your marriage. Although some of us enjoy a wonderful marriage, your fullness is not in children, or a job, or great health, or even in ministry. Your fullness is in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So you have to learn to trust and follow Christ no matter what, no matter when, no matter where, no matter who you choose to trust. So part of their selection was in their control, right? They were honorable and upright before God. The testimony of the Holy Spirit of God, penned through the hand of Luke, was what? These people were were good people. They were both righteous before God, walking in the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. It doesn't mean they were sinless. It just means if you watched their life, you saw a consistent pattern of people who were following the Lord. Do people see that in your life? So part of it was under their control. Part of it was not under their control. The priests had a rotation, and in their rotation, they would go, and there was a group of them it wasn't like Zacharias was the only guy. There was a group of them. And they would go and they would get their duties assigned by, uh, <laughs> what does it say? It's like like throwing the dice, but it's not dice. Um, they, they, they cast the lot. My brain couldn't think of the word lot. Uh, had a lot on my brain, but not lot. But, uh, <laughs> they, they cast the lot. And so, I don't know if you guys have ever been in something, but uh, if guys, have they've held it up, and, you know, you got all these straws, and whoever gets the short straw has to do the bad thing, or whoever gets the long straw gets to do the good thing, or something like that. And, and so you just pull, and then, oh, I got it, or, oh, I got it. Uh, that, that, they would cast the lots. And part of the lot of the priest was they would haul off the blood and the carcass to be burned. There were some messy jobs the priest had to do. But there was one really special task. And that one really special task was to go in and burn the incense before the altar. And Zacharias got the big straw. He got to do that. He was not in control of that. God's in control of the circumstances of our lives. And God put Zacharias in exactly the place he wanted him to be, to experience what he wanted him to experience. So, you need to trust and obey God. Obey him for the things under your control. Trust him for the things not under your control. He's trustworthy. So, verse 8. So it was, while he was serving as a priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. And by the way, once in a lifetime was the only chance they got to burn incense. He would never have experienced this before. He would never have done it again. It was this one time, and God used that one time in a special way. Verse 11, "...then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him." It kind of would freak you out, wouldn't it? Whoa, there's there's an angel. So uh, in the miracles, I have one through ten in your bulletin. Number one is the angel showing up to talk to Zacharias. The angel will later identify himself as Gabriel. The angel Gabriel in the temple. Now, this is not miraculous for God. This is normal. God, uh, angels, we entertain angels unawares. Sometimes angels are unseen. Occasionally God like opens the veil where we can see the spirit world, but most of the time we can't. And so it's possible Gabriel had been in there before at other times, or an angel had. But on this one occasion, he was there on purpose to talk to the one man who would come because he had the lot? And so Zacharias walks in, and it's this intense, emotional, walks in to the temple. He's in, goes through the veil into the holies, goes into the holy of holies. He's he's burning the incense, and an angel shows up. Now, he's been talking to God. He's been praying with God. He's been following God. He's never experienced anything like this. Verses 13. The angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias. (laughs) I think it's normal. If an angel showed up, it's always... Never mind. When an angel shows up, if an angel really did show up, you would be terrified. There are people who tell stories of walking with angels, talking with angels... I don't believe him, because if it was an angel of God, it would terrify you. Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. Listen. Here's the second miracle: Zacharias' prayer was heard by God. <clears throat> Sometimes, like dinner time, who's going to say the blessing? Who's going to pray? Oh, I'll do it, or you do it, or, you know, my kids, for some reason, they started a thumbs up, right? You, you sit down at the table, and everybody had, and the last one with their thumbs up had to pray. And we did that a couple of times, and then I'm like, no, we're going to stop that. And sometimes the first one with their thumbs up, they had to pray. Uh, but people do weird things, and sometimes when we pray, we forget God listens. Okay? God. Awesome. Holy God. So light in Him, there's no darkness at all. This awesome lightness, brightness God, who sees the universe, measures it as a span of the hand. The universe, the earth is His footstool. The heaven is His throne. He is awesome God. And he listens when you pray. Now, sometimes you may have a spouse who doesn't listen when you talk. Or maybe they just can't hear you. There are, <laughs> it's a frequent issue in our house. In fact, Kathy and I were... I was telling Benjamin the other day that Kathy will sit, be talking and I'll look up and I'll say... Were you talking to me? she said, there's no one else in the house. <laughs> and so I, what, you could have been on the cell phone. You know, I don't know. Um, it, it takes me a while to tune in. So ladies, if you want to talk to a guy and have him hear you, touch him first. Or call his name. You know? Jerry can say Jim, or she can touch Jim. And then, oh, okay, she's going to say something to me. So just do that. But... But we don't always know what's going on. But God listens every single time. Not only that, how many of you have been in a conversation with somebody and you misunderstood what they said? Does God ever misunderstand you? No. He he knows your heart. Even if you say it wrongly, he knows your heart. God of the universe listens when you pray. This is a miracle that we forget about because it's habitual. It's still a miracle. One of the hindrances to prayer, one pastor wrote, is that we regard prayer as supplemental and not fundamental. Prayer is essential. Like there was a joke about some deacons gathering together for a problem at their church. And they said, man, we got this big financial burden and there's no way we can meet this. We're going to just have to pray. And the chairman of the deacon says, has it come to that? <laughs> prayer is the first thing we do. It, and, and another pastor said, prayer is a simple conversation with God, the source of all that we need. If you ask him, he will answer. His answers are always for our good, even when they do not seem that way at the moment. So Zacharias, when do you think Zacharias started praying for a baby? When he was old and well stricken in years and well advanced in years, he finally said, oh, nothing's worked, it's time to pray. No, this has probably been something he's been praying For days, for weeks, for months, for years, for decades, for scores of years. That's 20 years at a time. he's, He's been praying about this probably for 30 or 40 years. Zacharias, your prayer was heard. When did God hear Zacharias' prayer? 30 or 40 years ago. When did God answer? Now, tonight we'll look at God being in control of time, when the fullness of time was come. Uh, and God's in control of the times in your life. He's in control of the times in Zachariah's life. And Zachariah's prayer was heard by God. Now, God may not answer the way you want, but he always hears. And he always answers in the way That's best. That the most brilliant mind ever, no one can even come close. Our knowledge is just puny before God. His ways are way above our ways. His understanding. So the, the great mind of the universe does what's best for you. Sometimes that hurts but it always eventually is a blessing. That's who God is. That's what God does. Someday in heaven, we will rejoice with God over what He allowed and did not allow in our lives. Because even the darkest, deepest, most broken moments bring us closer to Him. Zacharias, your prayer has been heard. Wow. And verse number uh, 14, uh, well, back to verse number 13. Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And by the way, in their culture, a son was way more significant than a daughter. Hey, your wife's going to have a baby, Yes. My wife had a son. When I worked for a Jewish guy. And when my son was born, he called me at the hospital and said, Hey, Terry, take some time off. Spend some time with your son. Take the rest of the week off with pay. Just enjoy your son, and we'll focus on the business things later. <laughs> when Megan, my daughter, was born, he called me at the hospital. Can you get back in this afternoon? Totally different concept. Even today. But especially in that day, sons were very special. Now, one of the cool things, ladies, God said, you are just as special as the men. God treats you with the honored inheritance of sonship, just like the men. No difference. So... A difference in how he wants us to serve in the church, in the home, but there's no difference at all in our inheritance in Christ. So, uh, you're going to have a son. Now, I mean, this is a miracle in itself that I didn't even mention. They're announcing the conception and the gender long before it ever happened. And by the way, we believe God sets the gender of people in the womb, and they live with that, or they live in rebellion against God. One of the two. So, uh, your wife shall uh, call his name a son, and you will call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, verse 14 says. And many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. By the way, I also think it's better for believers to not drink alcohol. Uh, Those in, in the Bible, when they set a serious commitment to follow the Lord, they abstain from alcohol. And I think it's better if we avoid it. Mm. Kathy and I made that commitment before we got married. Uh, in the middle of that verse. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Verse 16. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zacharias was heard before God and now the angels announcing this, this news and Zacharias who's been praying for how long? 30 to 40 years, right? Long time he's been praying this, maybe every day, maybe every week, we don't know. But Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my well, wife is well advanced in years. All right. How many of you guys would talk to someone else about your wife and say, my wife is well advanced in years? <laughs> Notice there were no ladies around when he said this. Just, he might have phrased it differently. So he said, listen, I'm an old guy, and my wife's an old woman. How can I know this will happen? Well, angel of God just told you that should be a clue. So the angel answered in verse 19, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and to bring you these glad tidings. Behold, Uh, But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. By the way, the name Gabriel should stand out to you a little bit, because Daniel talked with the angel Gabriel thousands of years before this. But in eternity, there is no aging, I don't think. I, I think we're with the Lord, we'll be with the Lord for all time. But here's the third miracle. Gabriel hits the mute button. (laughs) He hits the mute button. You don't believe me? Mute. You know, once when our kids were little and we got our first remote control, I turned it and was pointing it at Adam. Kathy said, it only works on the TV. I was trying to just mute them a little bit. Um, Have you thought lately your ability to speak is a gift from God? God could turn it off with no effort at all. And uh, Zacharias could not speak for nine or ten months. So when he came out of the temple, uh, these people were... uh, amazed, and, and, and then he beckoned to them, and then he had to write something down. He couldn't speak, and they knew. He had seen a vision of some sort there in the temple, and it was the most glorious experience of his life, and he couldn't tell anybody. It's like the old joke about the preacher who called in sick and played hooky on a Sunday and went golfing, and he hit a hole in one, and one of the angels said to the Lord, why would you let him do that? And the Lord said, Who's he going to (laughs) tell? Can't tell you did it when you were playing hooky. He couldn't tell anybody about this. He couldn't talk about it. And and then he got home and an amazing thing took place. Look back in verse 7. In verse 7 it says, Elizabeth was barren and they were both well advanced in years. Now look down to verse 24. Now after those days... His wife Elizabeth conceived. So here's another miracle. Elizabeth was restored to bear children. She was beyond childbearing years. Now she has a child. We've actually seen this happen in Scripture before with Sarah and Abraham. We've seen people who were barren for a long time, like Hannah, who then God blessed with a kid. But God doesn't always bless everybody with a kid. I remember one Sunday I was preaching up here and I was talking about Elizabeth in her old age having a kid. And I said, how many of you ladies wish you were pregnant right now? And my wife raised her hand. And it totally freaked me out. And I stopped and I looked at her and I said, really? And she said, yeah. And then I looked back at the congregation I said, I have no idea what I was talking about a minute ago. It <laughs> just <laughs> blew me away. <laughs> I was so glad to not have diapers in the house anymore, you know. And, and, but Elizabeth was restored to bear children. She was beyond the capacity to bear, and then God gave her that gift, just like he did with Sarah. A miraculous gift of God. Actually, all life is a gift from God. All life is. There are no illegitimate children. There may be illegitimate actions of adults, but all kids are a gift from God. Unfortunately, not all parents realize that, and they treat some kids like a burden. Shouldn't be. So, now, there's another miracle that takes place here, and that's, in verse 26, uh, the angel Gabriel with Mary. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to uh, a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. (laughs) Mary was a little troubled at this. Yeah, this was strange. Uh, So verse 30, the angel said, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be? since I do not know a man. And Mary said, how's this biological process going to take place? There's a difference between Zacharias and Mary. Zacharias' question was, how can I trust you that this could happen? Mary's question is, how's this going to work logistically? She understood the biology of childbearing. How could this be possible? How, how could God do this under these circumstances. Mary wasn't not trusting. She was questioning the process. Zacharias was questioning God. And then the angel answered and said to her, verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And then in verse thirty-eight, Mary said, "Behold the hen, handma- I'm sorry. Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word." And the angel departed from you. So we have the miraculous appearance of uh, Gabriel way back in Daniel, and then with Zacharias, and then six months later, now with Mary. So the second uh, thing involving Mary, number six, is the miraculous conception. Now, you maybe have heard the phrase immaculate conception. We don't ever use that phrase. The Catholics use that phrase, not just Catholics, some Eastern Orthodox do, but in reference to Mary, that Mary was sin-free so that she could give birth to Jesus who was extra sin-free. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible said, What allowed Jesus to be sin-free is he did not carry Adam's seed. He was conceived by God, not by man. And therefore, it was the miraculous conception. Um, Nothing like this has ever happened before. Nothing like this will ever happen again. It was a miracle of God. I I remember when one of our kids was in Cubby's the, one of the first verses cubbies learn is First John, John 4.10, and they break it down at the cubby level. God loved us and sent his son, First John 4.10. And so they do that in rhythm. God loved us and sent his son, First John 4.10. And then those little kids learn this verse. This is a very important concept to learn, and you can learn it when you're a little kid. The seed of the woman is prophesied in Genesis 3. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is a descendant of David. He is the anointed one, the Messiah. The miraculous conception. It's a miracle. So when people tell me, in fact, I had a friend in the Marine Corps, he was married to a lady who was not a believer, and his wife said to me, I just can't see how a virgin could conceive. I just can't get beyond that. To me, that's an itty-bitty little thing. God spoke the universe into existence. How hard is it for Him to do this little thing? We can trust Him. It's a miracle, yes, but it's historically verified miracle. And then John responds to Jesus before they they were even born. Uh, Mary goes to see Elizabeth and the babe leaps in her womb. What would that have felt like? Some of you ladies have expected children and you've felt them kick and punch and wrestle. And in fact, some have had twins and and it felt like fistfights in there according to what the lady said. But this was a very definitive reaction. John responded to Jesus before they were even born. And then uh, in verse 41, look at verse 41. And and it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, later on, it says Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit. But number eight is the Holy Spirit filling Elizabeth. And why, why would I single that out over Zacharias? The Holy Spirit filling people is miraculous. But see, in their culture, women were devalued. Women were treated kind of like cattle men could sell their wives to somebody else and take a new wife. That was the, the way it was in their culture. It was wrong. Christ evaluated, I mean, uh, elevated women. Uh, he allowed Mary to sit at his feet with the men while he was teaching. But for, for Elizabeth to be filled with the Spirit and speak a praise to God, uh, it was significant because in their culture, men did not listen to women. In fact, even in, some Middle Eastern cultures today, women cannot speak to men unless they're invited to do so. And a woman cannot speak to any man who's not her relative ever in some Middle Eastern cultures even today. So a man would not listen to a woman. Not only that, but um, an, a woman who did not have children, the women didn't listen. Because she had not had children. And yet we know and understand there's some great women in the Bible who never had kids like Anna who worshiped God, Anna in the temple, and she served God and worshiped God and was faithful to God and recognized Christ and no mention of her ever having kids or Lydia ever having kids. Uh, but in their culture, they conceive, uh, considered it a, a bad thing. So when the Holy Spirit came in Elizabeth, she felt like an outcast in her own hometown because the women who had children devalued her and the men devalued her because she was a woman and yet God did not devalue her the holy spirit of god came on elizabeth and then john was born verse 57 elizabeth full time came for her to be delivered and she brought forth a son And they wanted to name him Zacharias after his dad. And she said, no, he should be John. So they asked Zacharias. He asked for a slate. He wrote down on a slate. And so uh, in verse 63, he asked for a writing tablet and wrote saying, his name is John. So they all marveled. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosened and he spoke praising God. So, number nine is, Zacharias' voice was restored after nine or ten months of silence. Do you wonder if Elizabeth was a little disappointed? (laughs) I, I think she was probably glad to hear her husband's voice again. And his heart burst forth in praise to God, to the God who is and the God who hears. And number 10 on your sheet, we won't turn there, but in Matthew chapter 1, it tells the story of the angel coming to Joseph. All of these are miraculous events that took place before the birth of the Christ. So, what difference does that make in our lives? Well, the mystery of life surrounds us. It's amazing to me how your kids can come from the same two people. And so some parents have lots of kids. um, And each of those kids is unique. They're a unique mix of their parents. And life itself is a miracle. There's the, the mystery of life surrounding us. And there's the majesty of Christ that resounds in our hearts. Our lives are filled with miracles from breath to death, Uh, prayer uh, and dreams, and uh, God is at work in our lives. So you need to choose to trust Him, even when the deepest prayers of your heart seem to go unanswered. My pastor used to say when I was a kid, "When when it feels like you're praying and the heavens are brass, And your prayer just bounces off. You can still trust him. Obey what you know of his word, trusting that God will bless and enrich your life because of your obedience and through your obedience. God's ways, always best, always. And then remember that life is not about stuff. And contrary to our American experience, the the American experience has been life is all about stuff, right? Materialism. And now people are turning away from that. They're going into minimalism. There's a strong movement away from materialism. So they were saying life's all about what you own, what you have. Now they're saying no, life's all about your experiences. Life is not about things. Life is not about your experiences. Life is about relationships. Your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and your relationship with the people Christ loves and died for. The miracle is that God loved us and sent his son so that we could be saved. And become part of his family. And he didn't just assimilate us. As some of the science fiction guys suggest. He had us be reborn spiritually. So that we belong there. With him. Because of him. So when we celebrate Christmas, don't forget we are celebrating all of Christ. Not just his birth, but everything about him. And we're also looking forward to that glorious day when we all together worship the lamb that was slain for us. There's a song in our hymnal, There is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own son. We're going to sing that.